Under the Tartan Sky, Episode 66, produced 27 December 2019. When it comes to music in Scotland, one instrument comes quickly to mind before all the others, the great Highland bagpipes. If there is a more iconic image of Scotland than that of a lone piper standing against the backdrop of a majestic Highland landscape, well, I don't know what it is. The bagpipes are an instrument you either love or love to hate. So not surprisingly, there is a radio show and a podcast dedicated to the instrument, its music, and its fans. I'm Glenn Moyer, and in a moment, we'll meet Rab Lennox, host of The Big Rab Show, to chat about piping and drumming and the love-it-or-hate-it skirl of the pipes. That's next, here, Under the Tartan Sky. Water. It's the lifeblood of Scotland. Water gives us our unparalleled seafood and our iconic whisky. It shapes our magnificent scenery. In Scotland, 2020 is the year of coasts and waters, where a vast array of special events are on tap to celebrate more than 10,000 miles of coastline, our rivers and streams, and of course, our world-famous lochs. Whether you choose to go down the water on a yacht or paddle steamer, explore a coastal castle ruins, or bag a Monroe to enjoy the view from high above the loch. History, heritage, and unmatched hospitality await you. When you visit Scotland in 2020, the year of coasts and waters. the skirl of the pipes. Most people love it or hate it. There is very little in between. The great Highland bagpipe is as iconic to Scotland as, well, whiskey or haggis or tartan. But the bagpipe is not originally Scottish, nor is it limited in its appeal to the Highlands. Bagpipes of varying types and designs are found in countries around the world, and they may have originated in India. While a musical instrument, and yes, some will debate that, Bagpipes were also once classified as instruments of war, replacing the trumpet on the battlefield. Most clan castles and strongholds had a piper who piped the clan into battle. Famously, in my home state of Texas, while David Crockett of Tennessee played the fiddle between skirmishes at the Alamo, he was often joined by Scotsman John McGregor, Alamo John as he came to be known, playing his pipes from the emissions embattled ramparts. Pipe music has a great martial tradition, and military-style pipe and drum bands are popular the world over. But piping goes far beyond tradition, and hybrid adaptations of the bagpipes, like the musical stylings of the Red Hot Chili Pipers known as Bag Rock, are introducing the bagpipes to an entirely new audience. 
When Scots set out across the globe, beginning with the establishment of the Ulster Plantation in Northern Ireland in the 1600s, as we learned in our previous episode, and later in the Great Migration to the New World, they carried their culture with them, including the bagpipes. Rab Lennox is a child of that cultural immigration. Born and raised in Northern Ireland, he is an Ulster Scot whose family traces back generations to Dumbartonshire. Also part of his family history is a love of piping and drumming. His dad was a piper, and so at the tender age of nine, Rab picked up the drumsticks. He'll explain in more detail very soon. But Rab spent almost three decades as a competitive drummer, gigging and playing with Ulster Scott's pipe bands, eventually hoisting every major championship trophy but one, the Worlds. For most of the past decade, however, Rab has taken to talking about piping and drumming on radio through his Big Rab Show, broadcast locally on Fuse FM Ballymoney in Northern Ireland, and on a weekly podcast by the same name. Married and with two kids, he also has a day job, so Rab's quite the busy guy. I had the pleasure of briefly meeting Rab on my visit to Belfast this past summer, and immediately thought, you know, I'd like to have a bit more time to have a good chat, which, ironically, is also a bit like how the Big Rab Show first came to be. Well, it all kind of started as a bit of an accident, really. Um, I was playing in various different Ulster Scots bands and all the rest, and I've been involved in the piping scene for years. So I got invited along to do an interview at a local community radio station and was discovered that, oh, hey, Rab, you can tell a good story or two. You fancy doing a show? Well, the only thing I really knew about was piping and drumming so i says yeah sure i'll come and do a show i'll do a two-hour radio show on piping and drumming and uh the first answer to that was uh no <laughs> they, they said yeah realistically who's going to listen to that for two hours so it was a no so i walked away and then a few months later they said well hey come on let's give it a go you know we doubt very much anyone will listen but we'll give it a try so yeah, done our first show, which was live for two hours. And since that, the show has just went leaps and bounds. And yeah, our live show on Fuse has just been nothing but a success story. Um, we started it because uh, realistically, there was a gap in the market. There wasn't anywhere that had a long form kind of piping and drumming show. We had a, you know, they have the odd show on BBC over here that lasts for about 20 minutes or so thereabouts. And that was about it. You had time to talk about the results and that was it, game over. Um, so, yeah, I wanted something a bit more longer, you know, two hours to sit and have a chat all about it and, you know, talk about the new releases, and the new competitions coming up, the concerts and just everything to have a whole show that was focused on piping and drumming. And, uh, yeah, it all started on Fuse FM, Balamoney, where we were broadcasting on FM radio locally in Northern Ireland. But also it had an online element where people could tune in through the website and have a listen. So we found that the digital audience that were there tuning in online were more international. They weren't just from Northern Ireland. They were from Scotland, England, Wales, New Zealand, Australia, America, Canada, everywhere around the world. So the podcast then after that kind of got started because we are essentially just a small community station in the, the north coast of Northern Ireland. And uh, so a lot of people were tuning in and were actually missing it. So we thought, why not have a bit of a catch-up kind of service so everyone can get caught up on all of their piping news and all that sort of stuff. 
So we released a podcast each week so people could get caught up. So that's how the whole digital element of it all got started. And yeah, how the podcast grew from being just, you know, a bit of a catch-up service to now the monster that it is, Glenn. And how did you go about finding an audience um, in, in in the origin in the first early days? Um, finding an audience was really quite easy, actually. The bagpiping world is quite a small world, and we all know each other. So all it took was, like, I don't know, a month worth of shows, and nearly most of Northern Ireland's piping scene were tuning in each week uh, because everyone just, oh, hey, did you hear this show that was on this radio station? Oh, you have to tune in, mate. Some of the music's pretty good, and the chat's decent. So, you know, people would have went to their band practices through the week, and they would have told their mates about it. You know, and the audience just grew really organically you know someone would have tuned in by mistake and thought whoa there's field marshal playing on a tuesday afternoon what's going on you know and then it just kind of snowballed from there and did it grow um internationally rather quickly again as a result of the community size or word of mouth Exactly. It was all word of mouth. And uh, yeah, people started posting stuff online saying, hi, have you heard about this show? And at the time, we didn't have like a Facebook profile or any kind of a social media presence. And loads of people started asking us, oh, have you got a website? Have you got a Facebook, a Twitter and all this? Uh, And so the answer was no, we don't, but I suppose we should. So yeah, okay, we'll start doing that then. And then the audience just, again, continued to snowball because people started sharing it, started telling all their mates about it. Say, hey, look, there's this amazing show that talks about piping and drumming. Go and check it out. So, yeah, it was all just word of mouth. Well, you know, when, when I think of, of bagpiping, naturally, I I think of Scottish Highland bagpipes. And and so you naturally think of um, of Scotland. And I was a little surprised to find that your show is in Ireland. <laughs> How does that happen? <laughs> Very good question, Glenn. But I have to stress that the Northern Irish could possibly be better at it than the Scottish. Ho ho! Shots fired. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, we have the likes of the Field Marshal Montgomery, who are one of the most successful pipe bands in living history, won the world championship 12 times now. And yeah, we have a massive bagpiping scene here in Northern Ireland as well as the trad music scene you know from all the Irish folk music where you have all sorts of different kinds of bagpipes being played but yeah when it comes to Highland piping we have a huge piping scene here in Northern Ireland and uh, it does rival that of Scotland and around the world I'm very proud of it to come from Northern Ireland and to you know kind of fly the flag for Northern Ireland if you will um, because yeah, we have so many amazing, talented musicians here. And obviously, we have a huge connection with Scotland, being just across the water from them. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. For me, it was kind of a natural progression, showing how we are so entwined in the music and how our culture is so connected with Scotland. It was kind of a natural thing, really, for us to just you know present this show to an audience, both to Northern Ireland and around the world. You are there in uh, in Belfast, the heart of the uh, of the Ulster Scots community. So I guess the Scottish connection is really uh, very much alive in that part of Northern Ireland. Oh, most certainly, Glenn. Yeah, even my own family. Um, I'm my surname's Lennox, so obviously my whole family lineage all came from the Dumbartonshire area, where, where famously the Lennoxes all came from. So my family came from the Dumbartonshire area in Scotland, emigrated to. Ireland settled here 
and generations and generations and generations, I don't know how long it goes back but yeah for as long as I can remember uh, we've had pipers in our family pipers drummers drum majors it's always been a Lennox thing that we seem to bring with us from Scotland so naturally I would lift the sticks or pick up a chanter or do something and again my kids are doing the same my my daughter is just learning how to pipe at the moment so it's just a natural thing it's not you know will you do this or oh i might try this no it's that's that you're doing it and that's it um so yeah the whole connection with us especially as being ulster scots i would be very proud of my ulster scots heritage and uh, a lot of people here in northern ireland are very proud of their ulster scots connection yeah but you don't play the pipes you're a drummer yeah <laughs> how, did, how did that happen uh, that's a very interesting question that I keep getting asked quite a lot, actually. How can you do a show about bagpiping, but yet you're a drummer? Um, well, for the longest time, my dad was a bagpiper. And for the longest time, there was always a battle in the house whenever I was very young. Is he going to be a drummer? Or is he going to be a piper? Now, my dad always kept putting a practice chatter in my hand. But all of my uncles, they all kept putting a pair of sticks in my hand. So... I think it was just a natural thing. I did learn basic scales and different things. And, you know, I was started to learn how to pipe when I was like seven or eight years old. But I discovered that a practice chanter can separate into two pieces and you can use those two pieces to <laughs> hit a drum with. So, uh, yeah, it was very, very entertaining for a lot of my uncles. They said, you know, as much as you're going to try and force Rab to be a piper, that guy's a drummer. Um, so, you know, as much as I am a drummer and I can't actually play the tunes that I'm talking about, I am equally as passionate about it, possibly more so than some of the actual players that are out there. Uh, you know, I just, I just have a real love and a passion for this music. Yeah. I guess maybe if I were in the piping community, I'd be destined to be a drummer because I uh, was fortunate a couple of years ago on one of my visits to Scotland to visit Wallace Bagpipes with my good friend Craig Monroe. And oh, excellent. Yeah. He was kind enough to give me a, a, a Wallace chanter. Um, and the best that I can do is kind of make it sound like a foghorn. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, from uh, primary school right up through university, I played trombone. So it's not like I don't have the wind. No, there you go. Yeah. Um, if anything, now I'm nearing my 40s and I've been doing this radio show now for, oh, goodness, nearly 10 years. Uh, and through a good friend of the show, actually, uh, Andrew Shilliday, he's been down. He's been teaching my daughter. He actually handed me a practice chanter not too long ago and said, hey, Rab, come on, that chanter's sitting on the table anyway. Come on, we'll have a go. So from messing about in my kitchen, suddenly I'm now starting to learn tunes and embellishments and all. So, yeah, I'm actually learning how to pipe without realizing it, Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'll anxiously await the debut of you on the pipes on your show. Oh, goodness, me too. Yeah. Oh, that'll be some fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So your interest, though, is not just competitive piping. I realize that's that's probably a prime interest, but I'm curious where you fall on, shall we call it hybrid music? For example, I'm a huge fan. I mentioned Craig, a uh, huge fan of the Red Hot Chili Pipers. Oh, yeah. Bag Rock is just, I think, something really special. And I was actually very fortunate to to get to see them on my second trip over to Scotland. And, and strangely enough, never won anything in my life. And I want to meet and greet with the band uh, at that concert. Um, so does your show delve into all forms of uh, piping, whether it be bag rock or competition piping and anything in between? Yeah, absolutely everything. Uh, we say at the start of most shows that if it's got a set of bagpipes in it, around it or near it, 
then we're the show for you because yeah we cover everything from the trad music scene which can be pretty you know you know entwined in the irish scene here so a lot of sessions and played in bars and pubs and stuff like that all that kind of a scene that has bagpipes attached to it but uh yeah of course our bread and butter is competitive piping but we do look at the modern day piping as well and the red hot chilies would be one of them and uh yeah i'm actually good mates with most of the guys at the chilies because of their involvement in the competitive scene <laughs> yeah yeah well they several of them are involved in the competitive scene of course that's it yeah so you do find the two worlds kind of interlock an awful lot. You know, that pipe banders that would be out competition on the Saturday would also be out through the week playing with rock bands and, you know, Kelly bands and different things. So the, the two music worlds are very connected. I think the one thing that connects the whole music scene is the instrument itself. And that, you know, that's what that sound that we know and love that that's what it's all about. You know, so regardless whether it's being played ACDC or if it's, you know, the biggest Peabrook that you've ever heard, uh, it's all for the love of that sound and that tone, you know, and that's what it's about. Well, you bring up an interesting point because the bagpipes are one of those instruments, perhaps the instrument that is either most loved or most hated. <laughs> when you ask someone if they like, you know, bagpipes, uh, there's very little middle ground. You don't get, well, yeah, sort of. You either get, oh, I love them, or oh my God, it sounds like somebody, you know, killing a cat. Um, yeah. <laughs> why do you think that is? Why is the instrument so polarizing when it comes to opinions? I think it's polarizing in opinions because of people's experience of them. Now, whenever you go on vacation to Scotland, let's say, and you're walking the streets of Glasgow or Edinburgh and you see people out busking using bagpipes and they're busking on the street. Now, not to take it away from them, some buskers can be incredibly great players and they tune the instrument well and it sounds magic, you know. But there are those people who don't know how to play, don't know how to tune and go out there and strangle the life out of a set of Highland bagpipes. And that's what people's impression is of what they're supposed to sound like. So if you're flying thousands of miles and landing in a country that's completely foreign, and you go, oh, I want to hear your national instrument, and here's some guy in a street corner wailing on this thing, of course you're going to think, oh, they're terrible. Now, our show, The Big Rab Show, like we, we say every week, we are the show for the bagpiping folk. But if you're not a fan of bagpiping, then stick with us because we will play some music that you will think, whoa, I didn't think bagpipes could sound like that. Yeah. So, you know, we need to give people the opportunity to listen to what they actually should sound like played by some of the most amazing musicians in the world. So that's, yeah, our thrust behind it is trying to introduce people to let them see that it isn't the squealing cats that we listen to. It's actually these real virtuosos, you know. Um, like some of these people, I would say, are so incredibly talented that it's ridiculous. You know, the bagpipes are known as being the hardest instrument in the world to play, and for good reason. So whenever you're listening to the likes of Willie McCallum, Stuart Little, all these huge names, and they just make it look effortless. You know, these are the people people should kind of listen to when they think about bagpipes not the guy standing on the street corner strangling his way through scotland the brave <laughs> yeah um when i think of bagpipes i think of the uh 
the Scottish Highland bagpipes. And yet there are many, many, many varieties of bagpipes. And I guess we should mention bagpipes are not originally Scottish. And the Irish bagpipes are different than the great Scottish Highland bagpipes. So do you delve into some of the the differences, the nuances of different types of bagpipes around the world? Yes, we do indeed. And, and if anything, it kind of gives us a bit of a welcome break from the regular Highland piping. Because say, for example, you're playing recordings from the competition that past weekend. And after a good half an hour, 45 minutes, you, your ear does tend to get tired after the 15th MSR performance, which is March to Spain Real. So, right. yeah, we look at, you know, other musicians such as Fred Morrison, who would play those Irish Ullen pipes and also like musicians such as Ross Ainsley, Jarlath Henderson, all of these guys who would play the traditional instruments as well as playing the Highland pipes themselves, you know, play shuttle pipes, kitchen pipes, border pipes. There's so many different variations, all with different tonal qualities that, yeah, we try and cover every possible idiom of piping that we can on our show. Well, I read somewhere not too long ago, just before we met uh, over in Belfast, and um, I think the the comment that I saw was you said something to the effect that one of your great talents is that you like to talk a lot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when did you get an inkling to get into uh, into the broadcasting business, whether it's podcasting, radio broadcasting, et cetera? What kind of awakened that uh, career path in you? Well, what kind of got it started is, well, I've been involved in the bagpiping world for the longest time, and I've been out gigging and playing different shows and that around bars and clubs and different concert halls around Northern Ireland and abroad. And I was always used as the guy to tell stories in between the songs while the rest of the guys, you know, took a swig of beer or tuned their instrument or done something. You know, there was, Rab, got there and say something, you know. So I went up and told an old story, a bit of a yarn or a joke or two. And then the guys would have caught their breath and then it's into the next track. So I always had that gift of uh, being a bit of a mouthpiece and not knowing when to shut up kind of thing. Um, So, yeah, whenever we visited Fuse FM and we were doing interviews because we were releasing albums and different things. So we were on that radio show to kind of promote the band and that. And I was obviously the guy who was, you know, told, right, Rab, you talk, you know, you tell the story of the band. So I think it was uh, the guy who I was chatting to on the radio show. He says, you know, you're quite gifted at talking and you can tell a good yarn or two. Do you want to try doing a show? And that really kind of opened the door, really, to all of this. So it's his fault. Yeah, it's interesting because I have uh, something of a similar story as to how I got into broadcasting. I was uh, back when I was in high school and um, I was president of our uh, our high school band and we had our annual um uh, banquet year end banquet, and we had invited our band director. There was a local uh, disc jockey, talk radio host, uh, who was a big fan of who he was a big fan of, and we invited him as our guest speaker. And as the president of the band, it fell to me sort of to be the MC. Um, and I had done some uh, a great deal of competitive uh, speaking, debating, and other things in my educational years. And after the after the banquet, this guy from the radio station came up and said, "You know, you've got a talent for." standing up there and, uh, and ad-libbing and talking off the top of your head. And have you ever thought about getting into radio? And I, well, no, not really. He said, well, if you'd like to do that, give me a call and, and I'll see if I can't help you out. And so I, like you, I, I blame it on him. It was all his fault. <laughs> 
Excellent. Yeah, there you are. So, Glenn, I have to say I'm, I'm a bit of a fan of your podcast, mate. Yeah, I've been listening for this last while, this, this last few months. I'm definitely a fan. You have an extremely high production value as well. Do you put the show together all yourself or have you got anyone helping you? Or Well, thank you. That, that's very kind and great to know. And uh, no, I do it all myself. I have a, a small studio set up here in, in my office in my home. Well, I tell you, all of your hard hard work seems to pay off. It, it sounds great, Glenn. Yeah, keep up the great work, mate. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I, I'm I'm quite proud when someone mentions that they feel like there's there's high quality uh, production values there because that's that's always been important to me, and I guess it comes from my background. Um, if you think back, what would you say was your most memorable moment on the show? Oh my word, my most memorable moment. Um... Or your most forgettable, whichever's easier to recall. Yeah, that's true. Um, well, as part of the as part of the podcast now, the Big Rab Show, we've done a celebratory event to celebrate our one hundredth episode, where we threw a live podcast, and we were terrified that no one would turn up, and we booked a pile of acts and things, and people came along, and the place was packed, and we raised a ton of money for charity. So that was. Uh, one standout, standout moment. We've actually done two live events now. We actually brought the Big Rab Show podcast to Pipe and Live, that huge festival in Glasgow there this year. That was another standout moment. And again, standing room only, it was simply incredible. I was so nervous. I was shaking in my shoes. But looking back at it, it was just incredible. Um, but yeah, possibly one of my most memorable moments would have to have been having the opportunity to have Richard Parks on the show. For the longest time, we tried to get Richard to come on the show and do an interview for us. And for the longest time, he managed to dodge us. So after about eight, nine years of chasing him, we finally got him to come down and talk to us on the radio show. And it was two hours of just me being completely starstruck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can relate. I um, I, I had uh, Doogie McLean on my show and... Uh, never in a million years would I have thought that he would have accepted an invitation. He's uh, a legend. Oh, yeah. he is. Yeah, he is. And I was like you. I was absolutely starstruck that he would come on the show. And, uh, and he was so generous with his time. It was just incredible. Uh, the, the one main memory I have uh, with Richard Parks is I was so nervous to talk to him. And I remember saying, Richard, I'm dead nervous. I'm going to be tripping over my words here. And Richard said to me, you're nervous. He said, I'm really nervous. Oh no! Richard was nervous about going on the radio and uh, you know fluffing over his words and stuff. At the end of it, the two of us just sat there and just chatted for the longest time and actually forgot we were on the radio on a couple of occasions. You know, but oh yeah, forgot we have a show to do. So yeah, su- such an amazing experience. Yeah, incredible stuff. Yeah, it, it's great when 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 you and your guests can get to that point where you're that relaxed that you forget that you're not just sitting across the table with a cup of tea. And, <laughs> I think that's when you get the best results uh, by all means. Yeah. Do you do any other uh, broadcasting? Was the show your first idea, your first foray into broadcasting, or did you do some other type of, uh, of work prior to that? Um, no, no other kind of work other than just gigging around the country, playing different shows, not with, you know, my Ulster Scots band. So I kind of knew how to, how to read a crowd, if you know, if you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, the big rab show kind of, it all started out, you know, with the name itself, the big rab show that, that is a bit of a joke in itself because I'm not that big. Um, the drum corps I played with at the time called me big rab because everybody else was taller than me. <laughs> 
<laughs> so um yeah big rab show started out as a bit of a laugh but turned out to be something quite awesome and we have our radio show views we have our podcast now but then that kind of progressed into something where i'm now working with the bbc i'm working with the bbc radio ulster here in northern ireland so something that started out as a bit of a hobby and a bit of a laugh uh, turned out to be something quite serious and then all of a sudden bbc came knocking the door saying hey do you want to do a show with us you know, so now I'm presenting uh, a weekly show on there called Kintra, which is all about the Ulster Scots connection between here and Scotland. And it's just the best. I'm having so much fun presenting that show. It's incredible. What is it about the bagpiping community to you that makes it so special? Oh, what makes it special is we, essentially we're like one big family. Uh, we fight and we argue with each other all the time. We're competing against each other all the time and uh yeah you know as much as we might be competing and hating each other uh essentially we are just one big family where you know if any one of us came into trouble that we'd you know we would certainly help you know i I know you've played gigs are you a competitive drummer do you participate in the competitive scene well yes that's where i really got my start um i was involved in piping and drumming through my family obviously playing in pipe bands around the world uh, mostly based in the UK, um, but yeah, I have thankfully have been in playing in bands in all the grades from grade four B up to grade one. Um, I've won every major championship going apart from the worlds, which is the only one I haven't lifted. Um, so that one still stings, Glenn. So <laughs> I might I might lift the sticks again and try and lift the big one. But yeah, I have lifted every other uh, major going. Um, so that was nice. But yeah, I am. I've been out of competitive drumming now for about six years. Uh, wherein recently, um, I actually managed to pick up the sticks again, and I'm playing with a band from North Texas of all places. Very random. Really? What's the, what is the band from North Texas? Uh, well, it's North Texas Caledonia. Actually, um, I I was invited to play with them because one of their drummers actually came over to attend a competition here in the UK, and uh, we just got chatting. And I think he said in passing, oh, you'll come and play for us, Rob, you know, lift the sticks again. And I just kind of laughed and said, yeah, oh, yeah, haha, you know, oh, no problem. And then all of a sudden he started telling me, oh, great, we've booked your, you know, we've booked your flights and everything. Yeah, and here's the music and just have it learned. And, you know, we're staying at this hotel and all. And I, wow, what's going on? And before I knew it, I was over there in Atlanta playing at the Stone Mountain Highland Games with, the North Texas Caledonia hypes and drums. Uh, very surreal. I'm still sort of pinching myself. I can't believe quite that I was there. Um, so what an experience to play piping and drumming in the United States. So that was just awesome. Uh, but also just to be back playing again. You know, after about six years, it did take a bit to get the hands going again. Not going to lie. Um, but yeah, just had the best experience, you know, just back playing again. So I definitely caught the bug for playing. Um, I have missed it. So... Yeah, who knows? You might see me back out in the competitive field very soon. Oh, that's brilliant. And and great to to hear you have a a Texas connection because Texas, of course, is my home. In fact, I had a pipe band from Austin, Texas uh, on my show just a few months ago, the Silver Thistle. Oh, yeah. Awesome. They were just over for the the World Championships in Glasgow uh, earlier in the summer. And... um, uh, well, as far as I know, the guys at North Texas, they actually have plans to come over to the Worlds in 2020. Um, so 
with me playing with him in Atlanta, you know, kind of a bit of an exchange program, me going over and seeing what piping was like there in the US. Well, now they're coming here to the UK to see what piping's like over here. So, yeah, they're hopefully going to be coming to the Worlds this year. Well, that's brilliant. I need to check on the dates of the Worlds um, because I get over to, to Scotland every year in August. And usually the Worlds are a week or two before I get there. Um, I'd have to look and see if my schedule would allow me because I would love to be able to go over and sit on Glasgow Green and take in the World Championships. Oh, wow. You you really need to. Like, I know we're coming into the holidays right now. Um, but the World Championships really is my Christmas. I live for the Worlds <laughs> each and every year. It's the highlight of my year. And I'm sure I'm not alone. There are hundreds of other pipers and drummers out there who feel just the same way. You know, Christmas can come and go. That's fine. Santa Claus, whoopee. But it's it's the Worlds is where it's at. You know, it's who lifts that trophy every year. That That's wh- where our focus is every year. Yeah. Yeah. Let me wrap things up with just asking you this then. We've talked about how uh, people either love or hate the bagpipes. People who haven't given the bagpipes maybe a fair shake, haven't given them a, a proper chance to fall in love with them. What would you say to, to folk like that? And why should they perhaps give bagpipes a second listen and and maybe um, have a greater appreciation for them? My, but Whenever I'm talking to people who... They always say, oh, I hate bagpipes. I, don't, I can't stand those things. How do you listen to them? Well, I think it's because you've listened to the wrong kind of bagpiping because there's so much. And that that's the biggest thing I try to put across is that there's so many different variations. Like you said, you're a Chili's fan. Red Hot Chili Pipers, awesome band, fantastic. I love them to bits. And for a lot of people, they love them. And that's what bagpiping is. For me, it can be the competitive stuff, you know, the pipe bands and all of that, you know, and the playing of the glymphatic and all the traditional stuff. It just depends what you're listening to. You know, if you listen to bagpipes and you hear that guy in the street corner strangling his way through something, don't just write off an entire instrument based on one performance. Like for me, I liken it to classical music. Now, I listen to some of the real heavy kind of stuff, like you're talking Chopin and Mozart and Beethoven. Some of those pieces can last over half an hour. And after 30 minutes of sitting listening, you kind of think to yourself, I don't like classical music at all. But, you know, you're writing off an entire musical genre based on one listen. And you can't do that. So I think if you approach it with an open mind, to try and listen to as many different variations of the instrument and that style as possible, then, yeah, I I think you'll find something that will certainly give you the goosebumps, as I say. You know, there's been some performances throughout the years that have just made the hairs in the back of my neck kind of stand up. You know that kind of feeling? You get that kind of a buzz just from listening to it. Um, I've got that from listening to bagpiping sometimes. And it's always been in the weirdest places as well. You could be in a house party someone's playing in your front room and you're just whoa what was that tune that was incredible or it could be at a competition and you're just listening to someone tuning up under a tree somewhere you know it can strike you just at the weirdest times so i guess my advice is to people who aren't fans is just to listen to as much of it as possible and as many many different variations as possible it's not all just about the one thing marching up and down playing scotland the brave or you know, the black bear. It could be hitting the stage, playing ACDC at the top of your lungs and jumping about like a lunatic, you know? (laughs) Just, yeah, 
give and listen and just try and broaden your musical horizons. My thanks to my guest and my new friend, Rab Lennox, host of the Big Rab Show and podcast, for taking time to chat and share with us his love of the pipes and drums and for broadening our horizons a bit about the worldwide piping community. The Big Rab Show airs on Fuse FM Bally Money each Tuesday from 7 to 9 p.m. UK time. Sorry, you'll have to do your own conversions. Or you can catch the podcast, just like this one, online and on demand anytime. Links to both will be in our show notes at www.underthetartansky.scot. While you're there, for more on the bagpipe, check out our earlier episodes with Craig Monroe of Wallace Bagpipes and Piper Doogie McCants, both of whom have toured with the Red Hot Chili Pipers and are competitive pipers in their own right. And a special nod of thanks to Doogie, as our musical bumper for this episode was taken from his debut CD, Composed, that we reviewed with him on that earlier episode. Next time, we'll go behind the scenes of a relatively new podcast that is rapidly growing in popularity when we meet Jenny and Annie, co-host of the Stories of Scotland podcast. Theirs is a show that combines a unique blend of historical research, storytelling, entertainment, and just a dash of comedy for added spice. That's next time, here under the tartan sky. Until then, I'm Glenn Moyer. Tapalev, I guess Alpa Gabra. Under the Tartan Sky is a production of Glenn L. Moyer Creative Communications. For show notes and more information on this and all Under the Tartan Sky episodes, please visit our website at www.underthetartansky.scot. Have an idea for a future episode? Well, get in touch via email at info at underthetartansky.scot. Visit and like our page on Facebook and follow us on Twitter where our username is at underscore Tartan Sky. That's the underscore symbol Tartan Sky. And thank you for listening. <laughs>